Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, I was uh, preparing a message for you for this week, and uh, I shifted course. Now, we're still in hope in the dark, but if you read the top of your handout, you're going to see these two words, no condemnation. I really felt like, and a lot of preachers say this, so I think the Lord told me, I just, I don't know if he told me, but I really felt very impressed to talk to you about the fact that God does not want us to live condemned. Matter of fact, if you embrace this message and really, really get it, it'll cause you to have hope in the dark. But let's read 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. It's been our verse we've been reading throughout this uh, entire series. Let's read it. God made great and marvelous promises so that his nature would become part of us. Then we could escape our evil desires and the corrupt, and the corrupt, by the way, I'm here to tell you, headline news, if you haven't noticed, the world is getting more and more corrupt. How do we make sure that we don't fall into the corruptedness of the world and its influences? We grab hold of the great and marvelous promises of God. And in your notes, you could write this down, a little paper you were given when you came in. Through the promises of God, we see the heart of God, and his nature becomes part of us. That's what that verse said. And the second part is this, and by seeing the heart of God, we have hope. Now, what's his heart for us? Let me tell you a bit about his heart. God knows that every one of us in here has failed, will fail, and will fail some more. God knows that about us. And God knows that, well, I heard one preacher say this. Are you ready for this? I won't tell you who he is. He said this, if the Holy Spirit resides in you, you will not sin. And I thought, wait, 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 wait a minute, because we're going to look at the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, and we're going to take back a little bit for Romans 7. I'm going to tell you this, if the Holy Spirit resides in you, you won't be sinless, but you will sin less. Come on. And God knows that we are going to fail, and here's his promise. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. Now, if you came to be condemned today, or if somebody drug you to church, you go, or somebody drug you to watch online, or somebody drug you to our cafe, best $2 lattes in town, and they said to you, hey, go to church. And you thought, oh, man, that preacher's going to get there and beat me overhead. Uh, he's going to make me feel real bad. No, you're in the wrong place. Matter of fact, you just said to the people watching online that you're, you're nice and you're safe. Well, I want to be the same. But I also want to declare the truth. And, and here, here's, here is the truth. We have a debt to pay because of our sin. Now, uh, I'm going to read to you a couple pages from Max Lucado's book called Unshakable Hope. And uh, Josiah, if you put that picture up, this is the national debt clock. And while I'm speaking, it's running. 
Matter of fact, as of 5 a.m. this morning, when I checked it, we have 23 trillion with a T, 342 million with an M, 420,000 with a T dollars of debt. 23 trillion dollars of debt. We have 128 trillion dollars of unfunded liability as a country. And you are responsible for a debt. Because on this, you see where it says family share? Well, as of this morning, and I don't know when that was taken, but as of this morning at 5 a.m., each one of you owes $389,527, so pay up. Every baby born this morning at 5.01 or beyond. Think about it. Now, this is 9.56. I don't know where this came from. But if my calculation was wrong this morning, I apologize. See, even as I speak, it just went up to 956,000. Max Lucado writes in his book, if you want to view the skyline, New York City, go to the Brooklyn Bridge. For entertainment, go down to Broadway. For inspiration, tour the Statue of Liberty. Be inspired. And if you like to shop, don't raise your hand, but anybody likes to shop, the stores on Fifth Avenue await your credit card. But if you want to be utterly discouraged and depressed and absolutely distraught, take a cab, an Uber, a Lyft, to the corner of Avenue of the Americas and West 44th Street and spend a few minutes in the presence of the U.S. National Debt Clock. The sign is 25 feet wide, it weighs 1,500 pounds, and uses 306 light bulbs to constantly, mercilessly, endlessly declare the U.S. debt and each family's share. The original clock wasn't built to run backwards, but that feature has seldom been needed anyway. Plans to install an updated model that can display some quadrillion dollars are now in the works. If debt is a tidal wave, according to this sign, the undertow is going to suck us all out to sea. Now, Lucado goes on to say, I'm not an economist, I'm a preacher. But my monetary experience has taught me this, when people owe more than they own, expect trouble. Again, I'm not an economist, I'm a preacher, which may explain the odd question that occurred to me as I pondered a debt clock. What if heaven had a debt clock? A marquee that measured not our fiscal debt, but our spiritual debt. Scripture often refers to sin in a financial term. Jesus even prayed this, forgive us our, our debts. If a sin is a debt, do you have a dot matrix trespass counter in heaven? What does it click at each infraction? We lie, click. We gossip, click. We demand our way, click. We become arrogant or prideful, click, 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 click. We doze off while reading a Max Lucado book, <laughs> click, 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 click. <laughs> Talk about depressing a financial liability is one matter, but a spiritual one, the debt of sin 
has serious consequences for it separates us from God. Hmm. I'd like you to go to Romans 8, if you would, because there we will find in verse 1 and 2 this beautiful fact. And here's what it says. Therefore there is, come on, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has has set you free from the law of sin and death. Sin and death. Death is the debt we owe. For the wages of sin is death, Paul writes in Romans chapter 3. Now in Romans 8, many people have called this the greatest chapter in the Bible. If the Bible is the ring, Romans 8 is the diamond that sits on top of the ring setting. It is shiny. And it starts with verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ. And it ends in verse 39, Romans 8, 39, saying this, nothing above us, nothing below us, nor anything else in the whole wide world will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, this morning at about 7.45, our, our team that comes to set up the church and the worship team, we have what we call a prayer blast. We gather together. And this morning, I shared a couple of scriptures with them. But before we got to that, here's what I said. Jesus Christ suffered so much for us on the cross. He suffered so much by leaving heaven and coming to earth, by dying on the cross, by shedding his blood for us, we should never, ever think that he would stop loving us. If he went through all of that suffering and all of that pain, we should never, ever think that he was going to condemn us so that we could never be free. Rather, his heart is to free us. Nothing could be more positive than Romans 8.1 and Romans 8.39. So if you want to be pumped up, this is our place to be pumped today. Why? Because there is now no condemnation for those in Christ. There is now no thing, no one, no power, no purpose that could separate us from the love of God. And the reason he says that is in Romans 7, just one chapter before, verses 15 to 25, I'm going to read some of those verses. They're going to be on the screen as well. I do not understand the things I do. Ever been there? (laughs) I do not do what I want to do and the things I want to do. I hate those things. But I'm not really the one who's doing these hated things. It is sin living in me that does them. Yes, I know that nothing good lives in me. I mean, nothing good lives in the part of me that is earthly and sinful. I do not do the good things I want to do, but I do the bad things I do not want to do. It is sin living in me that does these things. So I have learned this rule. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. When I want to say, I'm going to be nice to everyone I meet today, evil is right there with me. I'm going to drive nice. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. And evil says, oh, like hell you are. Yeah. Can you say hell in church? Yes, you can. Yeah, like hell you are. Married couple walks down the aisle. They, they, they stand before Pastor Bernie. 
Do you? Will you? Shall you? They say yes before an uncertain future. And while they're saying yes, the devil's taking copious notes, saying, I will destroy you because marriage is holy and sacred, and I don't like holy and sacred. Wow. And if you let any of that in your heart, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 7, if that sin starts to live inside of you, evil will take over. But watch this. What a miserable man I am. Now, if you've never done self-confession, you need to start doing it. Why? This is the guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament. This is the guy who had this miraculous transformation with the Lord on the Damascus Road. This is the guy who started the church in Europe, the Apostle Paul. And he says, man, I'm wretched. I'm miserable. I'm horrible. But then watch. Who will save me from this body that brings me death? And right away, he declares it. I thank, come on, let's read it. God for saving me through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, I can't save myself. I'm too messed up, he says. Matter of fact, Paul doesn't even know how messed up he is, Romans 7. Because Jeremiah tells us this. Your heart is so wicked, you can't even know your own heart. God has to reveal it to you. But the beauty is, I thank God for saving me through Jesus Christ. So that's how he ends Romans 7. And then Romans 8, 1. There is now no condemnation for people just like me. I cannot be condemned by the Savior who saves me. By the Savior who frees me. I want you to write this down. You might go, wow, I can't believe I'm writing this down. But there is a struggle in the Christian life. If you don't know the struggle, maybe, maybe, may, just maybe, you're not living for Christ. Wow, yeah. Because if you're living for the Lord, you're going to have things come against you. If you're trying to live out the scriptures in your life, you're going to have stuff come against you. Again, the devil's going to say, like hell you are. It's a struggle. The Apostle Paul tells us that. Paul said, in my mind, I want to please God, but there's something else at work that wants me to do the exact opposite. Over and over again, he says, that which I want to do, I do not do. That's which I hate, I do. And I can tell you that I understand what he's saying. Anybody else understand? Yeah. We set our hearts and our goals uh, on doing good. I will not lose my temper today. By the way, I'm going to read you from a gentleman's journal. He posted this online. I'm not going to lose my temper today. 9 a.m. Lost my temper twice. <laughs> Lord, keep me from being critical. I rebuke a critical spirit inside of me. 10.30 a.m. I was just critical. Lord, help me not gossip. Oops, 10.45. <laughs> Lord, help me not covet. Oh, man. One of my coworkers got a brand new car, my favorite color, covetous heart, <laughs> 11.15. And by the time we get to 1.30 p.m., this guy has listed lust, covetousness, anger, gossip, lying. Because now I'm going to take a break. Lord, help my mind to be fixed on you. 
1.30, I repent of the day I've just had, and it's not over yet. You ever been there? God, you can count on me. <laughs> but Paul's just being honest, and I love his brutal honesty. See, we struggle in many ways. For, for example, we struggle between what we know to do and what we actually do. We struggle between our better desires and our lesser desires. Between God's will and our will, God's thought and our thoughts. We, we make a commitment to someone, someplace, a church, an education, a neighborhood, an employer, and we, we, we quickly give that up. And to quote the great theologians of old, Fleetwood Mac, you can go your own way. <laughs> I know some of you youngins in here don't know who I'm talking about. I think if Paul struggled, we struggle too. If Paul felt that he was being pulled this way and that way, we struggle too. But write this down, number two. The struggle is without condemnation. Hallelujah. We've all struggled. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I want to give you the definition of the word condemnation. Now, in our judicial system, somebody is innocent until proven guilty. Well, the word condemnation says you've been found, you've been judged, you're guilty, and you're punished. All in one word. You don't get a defense attorney. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to attorney if you can't afford one. One will be appointed to you. These are part of the Miranda rights. I've heard them many times. Oh, not to me. <laughs> but on my ride-alongs with Lompo police or the CHP or the sheriff, I've ridden with all of them. I've even ridden with the base cops. That's kind of boring. Drive around the base, not much happens. <laughs> but thank God for them. There's no attorney here. No, you are guilty. See, apart from Christ, the rest of the verse says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, apart from Christ, the only one defending you, the only one covering you from your, your sins is you. How's it working for you? Guilt, shame. But our Bible tells us, and the truth is, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for our sins so we can come to him and confess our sins, and he's just and able, 1 John 1, 9, to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, in the Greek text, we're not going to spend a long time on this, but in the Greek text, there's no therefore. You know, like Romans 8, 1 says, it's therefore. Uh, that was added because of Romans 7, and if you know anything about the Greek text, there is no chapter headings, Romans 7, Romans 8. It just flows. And, and here's how it would read in the Greek. No condemnation now. Just that way. No condemnation now. No condemnation, not tomorrow, not when you get to heaven, now. That we don't have to live under a spirit of condemnation as all. See, there is no rejection for those who are in Christ Jesus. You all remember the story, no doubt, of the prodigal son. 
He walks away from God, the Father. That's the picture in this story. It's his earthly father, but Jesus tells it as a picture of God. And he goes out and squanders all of his purpose and all his potential, all of his inheritance. And he's with the pigs. He's trying to steal the apple cores from the pig's mouth. That's pretty low right there. Finally, he comes to his senses and he starts going back to his father. And the picture of the father is not, he's not in his house watching you know, ESPN or anything. He's, he's at the end of the driveway looking for his boy. And when he sees his son coming up, and I'm paraphrasing now, he tells all his servants, hey man, go over the hill to Popeye's chicken and Chick-fil-A and then go to Floriano's and get the biggest burrito you can. Come on. I'm sorry, I'm talking food now. I shouldn't do that. Go to Foster's Freeze, get a deep fried burrito. No, I shouldn't talk about food now. Go to Wild West Pizza, see Dave, get the calzone. No, 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 no. I want you to get the greatest calf that we have and put it on the rotisserie and get out the, the drinks. And by the way, would you bring the ring, the family ring? Because I'm going to restore my son back to family ownership and back to inheritance. He wasted it all. I'm going to give him a fresh inheritance. That's part of what signifies by the ring. We're going to put new sandals on his feet. We're going to let him wear a robe. What's that all about? We're going to show this boy there's no condemnation. I know lots of people who started their walk with Christ and walked away from Christ. I know lots of people who, who stood at the altar and said, I promise, and ended up in divorce court. I know lots of people who started, they made commitments to people, and they reneged on their commitments. But here's what I know about our God, that if we come to him, he receives us with open arms. There's nothing that's gone too far that God cannot redeem. Nothing. And some of you might be saying, yeah, but pastor, you don't know what I did. And I'm going to say this to you, then you don't know the power of the cross of Jesus and his blood that was shed and the power that caused him to rise from the dead. See, God already knows everything that you've done, but are you willing to believe what God has said about our lives, about your lives? I love what the preacher of yesteryear, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said. He said, if our debt was paid, it was paid. There is an end of it. A second payment cannot be demanded. Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus all that we need? So I brought a, a little bag today. I'm going to show you this bag. I have two bags here. This is a, a bag appropriate for me. It's called Husky. All right, don't say anything. And what happens is, well, if you work with tools, and especially we, we measure twice, I measure three times before I cut once. Some of you are three, any three-time measures here? Any four-time measures? Can I get five, five, six, 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 seven, eight? Okay. These are tools. That's a little hammer fiber saw one. Okay. I have a 16-ounce waffle head framing hammer church at home. I should have brought it. Here's WD-40. You might need a little bit of that squeaky door stuff, you know. These are little screwdrivers. I know you can't see them all real close, but these, these are tools. 
I'm going to call these the purposes of God for your life and for my life, the calling of God. But what tends to happen is we pick up the condemnation, the shame, and the guilt, and we lay down the call of God for our life, and we start to fill our life with regrets, shame. Wow, look at that, shame rock. This is uh, the gossip rock. It's for people in the last service. Not any of you need that. <laughs> Anger, malice, revenge. This is the lust rock. Oh, I saw her. Wow, she looked marvelous. Ooh. All the guys are going, Pastor, move on, move on. <laughs> yeah, ladies, you go to the movies and you start eating popcorn a little faster because that guy's face is on the screen. You know that guy, that hunk? Not the chunk, the hunk. Yeah, yeah. And pretty soon we feel bad about ourselves. Oh, man. I didn't finish my education. I should have. Oh, man. I got that divorce. Oh, man. Oh, man. I told the Lord I'd trust him with my finances. I'd trust him, and I'd, I can't give to God's work. It's just so hard. And, and, I'm just, and pretty soon, and pretty soon this... This becomes our life. Instead of the purpose that God called us to, that's so light, my burden is easy, Jesus said, and my yoke is light. We start carrying around this. And I got to tell you, folks, this thing is heavy. And this is how I see Christians, a lot of them. They're walking around like this. They can't even raise their hand to God. Well, if they can, it's one. This one's tied up with guilt and shame and condemnation, and the only two people that put condemnation on you, get ready, the only two that put condemnation on you is yourself and the devil. Now, there are other people too, like the, like the woman who told her husband, honey, I forgive you. I totally forgive you, baby. I forgive you, but I'll never let you forget it. That's not forgiveness. And people remind us of our past, and the devil reminds us of our past. I saw a bumper sticker years ago said, if the devil reminds you of your past, just remind him of his future. That'll preach. Hey, can I just, maybe just one person here, maybe one here, one online, maybe just two of you. Can I tell you what God wants you to do with all this? He wants you to drop the rocks. He wants you to say, Lord, I lay everything down at your feet. Since Jesus condemned sin by his death on the cross, God will never condemn you. Jesus looked in the face of sin when he's shedding his blood. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, sin, you will no longer have power over my people. You will no longer have power over them. Sure, we're going to sin. Sure, we're going to make mistakes. Sure, we're going to fail. And the Lord knows that. And yet he says this. Through the Apostle Paul, there is now no condemnation. No condemnation now for those in Christ. None. Hey, can we say it? No condemnation now. Let's say it. No (laughs) condemnation now. So if you came here to be condemned, you came to the wrong place. And by the way, I got to get rid of this. I'm serious. This is heavy. And I'm a pretty big boy. I can handle this. Come on. But I would rather lift the weight 
of responsibility to love our community and the weight of responsibility to to be the best pastor I can be, the best husband I can be, the best dad I can be, the, 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 best, the best grandpa, the best chaplain, the best district cohort leader, the best honorary commander. I got a long list. I want to be the best that I can be in all the things God's called me to. And I'll tell you what I know. If you're weighted down by all of this, you can't be your best. You can't lightly pick up your responsibility and do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Even Christ has a hard time giving us strength when we're holding on to our history and when we're speaking to ourselves in language that is tearing us down. That's not biblical language. If the sun sets us free, we're, we're free indeed. Except for the... No, no exceptions. And we say, Lord God, Lord God, for all the people we've hurt with our anger, Lord God, for all the times we've looked the wrong way and said the wrong thing, for for all the times we had covetousness that we shouldn't have had, for all the times we didn't trust in you, Lord, for all the times we didn't share our faith, for all the the times we lied and and we gossiped, and for all the times we, we, we just spoke ill of people, and for all the times that we did what we shouldn't have done. We did what we shouldn't have done. We violated you. We went against your word for all the times that we thought our ways were better than your ways. We just give it to you. One of my favorite people in the Bible is the thief on the cross. I love that guy. There's two thieves, one on each side of Jesus. One's complaining about life. Here's my paraphrase. Hey, if you're the son of God, hey, get us out of this predicament we're in. Really? If you get down off the cross, we'll worship you. And the other thief says, hey, Lord. Jesus says, yeah, yeah, who do you say I am? You're the Lord. You're the son of God. And Jesus declares... This is why I love this guy so much. Jesus declares, even before he's fully dead, tonight you'll be with me in paradise. He gave him an all-access pass to heaven because of his faith and his confession. Could you imagine those gambling for the garments of Jesus, hearing that declaration? <laughs> Who got the last laugh? The thief. Just think about it. It wasn't that long after the cross. Can I tell you what the word was on that man's life? He's condemned. Judge, jury, punishment. He's on the cross. He was a thief. And Jesus says, tonight... And I love, I, I, I love what men try to do, women try to do. We try to add to salvation. Believe in Jesus Christ, and then make sure you have your first Holy Communion. Believe in Jesus Christ and get baptized in water. Believe in Jesus Christ and give 10% to the church. Now, you should give 10% to the church. And you should have communion. We're going to have it next Sunday. And you should get baptized in water. But this dude was hung up. 
Literally, he couldn't get to church. And I love the Lord. He's so good. He said, if you believe, the Apostle Paul said it, Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you believe in your heart and confess Jesus Christ as Lord, you shall be saved. In that moment, that heart believed of the thief and he confessed Jesus as Lord. And Jesus says, paradise, buddy. Paradise. And when Peter and John were at the pearly gates, by the way, there are no such things. They said, Hey, who's this guy? And the angel said, oh, man, it wasn't long ago, just a few hours ago, he was dying because he stole stuff from people. Oh, you know where thieves go, don't you? <laughs> and the spirit of Jesus said, yep. Thieves. But you know where saved people go? You know where redeemed people go? You know where people who believe in me go? The opposite place of condemnation. They get to be with me in eternal life. The devil whispers condemnation to us day and night. Our insecurities rise and whisper to us day and night. But Jesus says, I have a purpose for every life. My way is the best way to live. It's light. It's, it's easy. Do what I've called you to do. Be who I've called you to be. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a condemned sign or a condemned building, but if you read this or the next picture, it tells you that the, there's a building that's condemned. It can't be used for what it's used for. Its use is prohibited. Its use is prohibited. The use that God's called you to is prohibitive when, when, when we live full of, of condemnation. You are internally free. Internally free. Let's hear from this old guy Spurgeon again. Here's what he says. You may preach the demands of the law as long as you like and tell people that they must merit salvation. They must earn it. And you will only make them worse and worse. But go and proclaim the dying love of Jesus. Tell them that free grace reigns and that undeserved mercy saves the sinner through faith in Christ and that the moment they believe in Jesus, there is no what? Condemnation for them and they shall see miracles accomplished. Try to add to salvation and you'll ruin it. Try to add to salvation and it will be anything less than Jesus. It's not Jesus plus anything equals salvation. It's Jesus alone. You and I are positionally perfect. And that's hard to handle. Why? Why? Because we know we're not perfect. But when Christ envelops us, when we live in Christ, when there's no condemnation for those in Christ, God looks down and sees the perfection of Jesus inside of us. We can let the past go. You ever declare a Romans 7 on yourself? Hey, God, the things I want to do on Friday, I, I didn't do the, the, the good stuff I said I was going to do yesterday, God. I didn't get to that. And I promise you, Lord, if you healed my cold, I'd read my Bible every morning. <laughs> I tricked you. I, yeah, you healed me, and I'm not reading it. <laughs> you ever say this, the truth about yourself? You ever say, I'm so full of myself? You ever say that? 
I'm so frustrated. I'm so defeated. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm discouraged. I'm so sad. That's our version of Romans 7. But do you ever say this? The truth about my standing in Christ. Christ is what? Sufficient. Christ is victorious. Christ is sovereign. Christ is capable. Christ is loving. Christ is freedom. Say it again. I want it to ring off the back wall. Freedom. And I'm forgiven. And so I press on and I don't look back. Freedom is calling us. Jesus is calling us. Let go of the rocks. Lay them down. Let go of your self-centered salvation. You know what that is? I'm going to save myself. I'm going to be so good with my life that when I die, God's going to look at me and say, wow, you're just amazing. Look at you. Can I tell you the only way you'll impress God? Not your plaques on the wall. Not your PhD. Not your bachelors. Not your associates. <laughs> not your square footage. Not the money you left your family or your church when you pass. You know what's going to impress God when you stand before him? That you believe in his son, Jesus. I, that's it. Oh, Pastor, come on. I think he's going to like the way I sang and worshiped. Come on. I think he's going to like the way I engineered rockets so they could fly and land back on the planet so we could repurpose them. I think he's going to be marvel at the, the fact that I was able to, to work in a pharmacy and prescribe drugs and give away. I, I think he's going to marvel at how I could work a combustion engine. I think... I think he's going to marvel at the beauty of my kids and my grandkids. He's going to say, Marvel, I made them. Oh. There was a bunch of people once they were building a tower to God. Do you remember that? It's in the Bible. <laughs> God looked down. Hey, look. He got the angels around. He goes, look, there's six Legos. <laughs> Those guys are climbing on six Legos. They think they're going to reach us. And one of the angels had to say to God, are they stupid or what? Huh? And God says, I know what I'll do. I'll just give them all different languages and confuse them. God was having a funny day that day. He has a sense of humor. Like when you say, oh, yeah, April, Lord, April. He goes, nah, move it to me. Come on, that's God. But I'll tell you one thing, God will not move. I'll tell you one thing God will not joke about. I'll tell you one thing God will not change. When we come to him through his son Jesus, when we say, Lord, I believe in your son who died, who shed his blood, who rose again from the dead, and I want to be saved. There's no joking there. It's an eternal fact, and he reserves a place for you in heaven. And the second thing, if you already know Christ, What are you carrying? And I'm just going to say this, and I think I have the right to say it from God himself. Why are you carrying it? When his son said, I'll carry it for you. I already died for it. 
You can lay everything upon me. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.